0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast, Newcastle United 1, Leicester City 2, Alex Hurst, Charlotte Robson, and Norman Riley to talk through yet another Uh, Winless game for Newcastle United, no wins in six, four defeats in that time as we continue the half-decent start of the season that Steve Bruce says we've had in the heady heights of 15th place and out of the League Cup. Um, And we've lost today, we've lost again. And if any of you listened to our preview on Patreon or watched on YouTube the Charlotte Show pre-match, which I did with yourself, Charlotte, uh, kind of universally everyone made the point that performance to us anyway was going to be as important as the result because Leicester City have, uh, quite frankly, ridiculous away form. I think it's seven wins in nine Premier League away games now. Uh, and we wanted to see a continuation. We wanted to see more of what we saw against Liverpool, more of a plan, more of a an attempt to make the game incredibly difficult for Leicester. And I don't know about you two, but I saw absolutely none of that today. I thought it was more of the same. It reminded me of the Everton game, which we did win. But it was very much um, we approach these games like we have for a long time, like a newly promoted or lower league side. And as good as Leicester City are away from home, um, I, you know, I thought we're very, very poor again. And there's almost nothing to take out of that game as a positive. Uh, and whilst Newcastle United and Steve Bruce's biggest issues are not the results against Leicester City at home, uh, they're the results against uh, performances against the likes of Brighton, Fulham, West Brom, Brentford and more, uh, I, I was still massively disappointed by that today Norman, um, what do you want to say about, about today and about the overall picture with, with Steve Bruce Newcastle United and the alleged progress that he keeps claiming that we're making
2: So the last three results, right, you can look at them on paper and think, well a 2-0 defeat away at Man City a 2-1 home defeat by Leicester a 0-0 draw Liverpool they're not the worst results in the world, as you just mentioned today's wasn't the worst result in the world But you have to fit those into the context of the rest of the season. And ultimately, we've been absolutely terrible, right? Because this supposed work in progress, the inch-by-inch progress that we're making, if you compare where we were after 16 games last season to where we are this season, look, I'll caveat this first, right? By saying this doesn't mean anything to me, right? But if we are talking about, you know, if, if the kind of, the words coming out of the manager's mouth are oh, progress, 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 work progress, right? We are on um, three points less than we were this time last season. We've got a worse goal difference by two goals. Last season, we were in 10th after 16 games, two points from fifth. This season, we are 10 points from fifth. I'm not saying fifth's a target, but I'm just using that as an indicator of how how big that gap now is. Um if you look at the positives, we've scored one more goal after 16 games this season than we did last. So, you know, that's a progress, I guess. Uh, one one more goal. But the reality is the, the there isn't any progress. There is regression. And that's the scary thing because I actually think that the squad in terms of playing personnel this season is stronger. So that to me is, is indicative of, of where we're heading. And again, this isn't necessarily a, a reaction to the specific match we've just seen. Although, admittedly, that match was kind of a microcosm of lots of the... Issues that we've seen at Steve Bruce's Newcastle, you know, we, we set up to nose as opposed to go for the win. So we were incredibly defensive and very solid, very solid for 60, 70 minutes. You could throw into the mix that Leicester didn't really necessarily work that hard because they probably knew they were going to win. Um, and we offered nothing going forward. And that's more or less, as I say, what encapsulates the the entire time Steve Bruce's Yeah. So this, this talk of us being a work in progress is just, to me it's absolutely empty um, and the the facts bear that out um and what I would say before i uh, allow someone else to talk sorry is that <laughs> james Madison's comments post match were really interesting um quite amusing but also very interesting he basically said that um Leicester, you know we what do he see let me let me quote him verbatim, because um because they're actually quite uh, they're actually quite funny he basically said um we really like it here, to be honest. We've got a really good record here. Newcastle made it difficult for the last 10 minutes. If I was a neutral, I might have switched over to the other side of half-time. It was just a case of being patient. There you go. It's it, That, to me, is just indicative of how ridiculously confident James Madison and Leicester were of getting a result, despite the fact that they didn't necessarily get out of first gear.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm really pleased you highlighted that. And I agree with James Madison. And it's, uh, it, it's a really tough one to take because, you know, people listen to this. We've been doing this podcast all season. We've been talking about tactics. And, you know, we'll go through these cycles of, of four at the back, a couple of good results. Then we have one or two bad results or, or one or two horrific performances back to five at the back. Then it goes really badly with five at the back. And it's just this like cycle of nothingness that, needs low, that leads nowhere. Bruce pregame talking about, That it'd been a half decent season so far when you get knocked out of the cup by a low league team who played, you know, a shadow side. When you are in 15th place in the Premier League, like if that's half decent, what would average look like? What would bad look like? Um, It's it's really, really worrying. And the modicum of positivity that we had uh, after the Liverpool game to me has just been completely squandered. And and me and Charlotte have spoken. genuinely and I don't have any inside knowledge on this I could be completely wrong and if I am that's fine I'd hold my hands up but I thought that approach by the players against Liverpool was player led I thought it was you know we can't just sit back and do this against a side like Liverpool, they'll tear us to pieces Um, and, and it was just back to reality today it was back to very little pressing, very little pressure but you know Leicester able to move the ball through the middle of the pitch at ease, look at the first goal You know, Look at them. They're passing the ball in straight lines through the middle of the pitch. It's not difficult for them. We're not not forcing them out wide. We're not forcing them to put balls in the box. We're not flooding the areas. We're not making it difficult. It was just very, very comfortable and very, very easy for Leicester City today. And that, for me, is the hallmark of Steve Bruce's side when opposition players and opposition goalkeepers in particular and defenders just don't really know they've been in a Premier League game of football. Charlotte um, you're keen to highlight some of the the flaws in our gameplay which which you think would be quite simple to fix
3: yeah I think um I think one of the answers could be to um, have a plan <laughs> because um it did not feel like we had a plan today and a couple of um, examples that I could use from today's game to highlight that would be the um, The crosses into the box. I mean, Shelby was appalling for their second goal. Just appalling. But a little later on in the game, he got the ball, um, he was fed the ball uh, from Clark, I think, and then he crossed the ball into the box. A really good ball, really good cross, very clean. um, And there was nobody there. And that happened three times, I think, that, that we had a nice cross into the box and nobody was there. And I just think... I, I said it to Alex when we are watching the game over text. Don't worry, still, still, not quarantining, COVIDing, you know. Um, I said to Alex, it feels like you know we're so surprised, we so we don't expect to get the ball in the box so much that nobody's nobody's there, nobody's getting into position to, in case we do, and and that to me is indicative of like not having a plan and not being well drilled, and. Um, and just I, I just don't know it just it just baffles me I I think you know at, at one point one of the commentators today was like when I think substitutions are being made I think it was around the 60 minute mark one of the one of the commentators said you know Newcastle do now need to look for a plan B um they you know they need to start thinking about what tactical changes what formation changes they can make mm-hmm. to um influence this game and I was like a plan B suggests the existence of a plan A. And I, hmm. I I cannot see that there is a plan here other than other than just like I don't know, hope for the best. Like Norman said, keep it tight. Like, is that it? And I don't know. I just think I think it does our players, some of our players, some of them need to be moved on, I think. But I think it does some some of our players a disservice to 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 play them in in the way that is that we are I don't know it just so so yes those are the changes that I would make firstly have a plan and secondly you know get some drills um properly probably drilled into into our players get get them in in the box for when we might have a chance
1: yeah it was it was revealing wasn't it I, I watch all of the games whenever I can without the crowd the fake crowd noise does me head in um, and there was a point in the first half where Steve Bruce was screaming from the sideline. Uh, get in the box, Joe. Get in the box, Joe. Um, Joe. Joe, and it's like fair play. That's a good idea, but also, <clears throat> should a forty million pound footballer need that instruction from the sideline? And you're right, Charlotte. I agree with you. It's like the ball across the box from Marty Longstaff was was delightful. The ball from John Joe Shelby was brilliant, but because I imagine that, and I'm, I'm going to restart because I was going to say I imagine there is no kind of attacking plan for our team. There isn't an attacking plan. We don't practice any kind of attacking play because we don't attack. We very rarely attack. What we'll we have two, three genuine chances a game if we're lucky on a good day, and absolutely no one is is predicting Matty Longstaff's going to do that because it's, it's like you say. There's there's no kind of you know we're going to get the ball wise and we're gonna we're gonna play back post balls today. We've, we've identified this weaknesses. This is what we're going to do. We think their right back's not very good. So so Callum, you peel off to the back post, or we think Leicester we've got. Um, a vulnerability between the goalkeeper, and the centre box, and the six-yard box. There's, there's none of that because it doesn't happen. And yes, you can point to individual chances and individual players not doing things, but it's, a, it's a repeat pattern. Um, Charlotte, did you have your hand up?
3: Yes. Yeah, I was just going to say, and if you're sort of, if, if, if your contention is that that's not fair reverse, you just need to look to Leicester who. Are so organized and so I mean it's it is a different side, they're a better side, all of Steve Bruce's excuses, bingo, whatever. Um they have like clear plans, like um that their first goal, I think, was was their first goal from the sort of that sort of just left-hand side of the box, just blasted straight in. They had a couple of other opportunities from that exact same play, um just that left-hand side of the box. Getting it across to Madison or whoever was there straight into the net. Um, We didn't anticipate that um, the first time, but they did it a few times. It's clearly a a part of their plan, and and if we're not going to have a plan, sorry, I'm formulating this thought as I'm saying it. If we're not going to have a plan, then the least we can do is to sort of to to be intelligent in game and and see how they're playing and anticipate that that might be a kind of um a drill that they do. I don't know why drill is my favourite word today, but it is. And I don't know. I don't know. I just, yeah, if there's no plan, then there has to be some kind of reading the game. And there's that there, to me, there isn't that really either.
2: You've been um listening to drill music, haven't you, over the Christmas? I think that's what it is. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. the. Uh, the <laughs> it's really interesting that you mentioned changing tactics within the game because this is something that we've mentioned from more or less day one is in-game management and we're we're yet to see any kind of significant in-game management or interpretation of how this the the opposition's playing and a kind of combating of it or as Alex says and this is the thing combating the other side's strengths is all fine and well but it's actually as Alex mentioned they're trying to exploit their their possible weaknesses as well and this is the impression I get and, and much much like Alate, so not uh, okay, not to the same extent, but I think the focus is always on let's try and stop the opposition, let's try and stop the opposition. There's never any kind of let's target where on their team there is a weakness. You just never seem to see that. And you know, I, I might be joking, yeah, but it, it genuinely seems to me like there are there are literally three plans. There are actually three plans. First one is give it maxi, maxi's not available, right? Second one is stop the opposition player. Oh sorry. Keep it tight, lads. Not even stop the opposition playing. Keep it tight, lads. And the third one is, if we're a goal down, I'll just stick a few attackers on the pitch and hope for the best. That is literally what it seems like to me. And we saw something similar to today. You mentioned there, Charlotte, that Leicester made the same move on three or four occasions and eventually scored from it. We saw it against Brentford. Did the same thing from corners with a big lad on the corners. And this is another thing. Like, any Brentford fan we, we speak, to, I think we spoke to two or three Brentford fans, and they all pretty much said, "Yeah, they'll they'll target this. They've got this particular routine on a corner. That's what we do." Yet nobody at Newcastle knew it, and that to me just suggests that there is this complete and utter lack of planning. I might be overreacting, but after 90 months or whatever, that's just the impression I've got.
1: No, it's a, it's a great point about Brentford. Like Brentford's goal was basically the same as both goals that Leicester scored today. And you know, I, I want to. It's hard because I don't want to criticise Marty Longstaff because I think he's come in. From fucking nowhere, um, played three games in a week against three of the best teams in Europe, probably at the minute, um, and be, it, it been the only constant in that midfield, and had to cover, you know, as much ground as as any other central midfielder in the Premier League, and he's done great. But he was absolutely burned for the goal, and then both him and Sean were caught heading towards the ball when there was, you know, I think it was six players in the box for Leicester's first goal, and, and it alludes to what both you correctly and and you Charlotte would say. And also, I look at what see Bruce has just said post match, there, and I, I think I put in our WhatsApp group there. What just before full time, the, the two things I knew Bruce would say: number one, we didn't look after the ball well enough, and we gave it away too cheaply; and number oh two, that the God. lads, the lads did did really really well, um, and uh, and and gave it their all. And I'll go back to it again: the lads giving it their all is not the kind of thing you expect to hear at top at the top level. Of of sport in this country and of sport in the world in the Premier League, the lads giving it, they're all the lads sticking at it, the lads doing this and that. Great, go on so, Norman.
2: Sorry, did, did he say we gave the ball away too cheaply? Yeah. Yes. mate, we we literally just did a podcast two days ago, repeating the occasions that he's actually said this after matches. I mean, it is it's <laughs> it's, it's getting pathological. Like the times he says it, it's almost like this is like a like a pathological thing to say. I'm, I'm genuinely, I'm kind of staggered yet not staggered at the same time.
1: it's true and he's right we do do give the ball away too cheaply that's not the the interesting thing Steve is why why do we keep giving the ball away too cheaply and my conclusion is because we hardly have any of it so there's added pressure um to to do things with the ball when you've only got you know 60 sorry 30 to 40 percent of it during a game when you've got Callum Wilson with three three blokes ahead of him or you've got Miguel Almiron with you know half the pitch to run into and four players ahead of him when you at any point have no midfield to play the ball through when you have to go backwards to call dollar every time you press because there's no options that's why you tend to give the ball away but back to my original point it's like it, the, the, steve bruce tends to look at this game and, and uh the the there's comments after Man City, i think he will say today is a good result he sees 15th in the league as half decent and he mm-hmm. sees today as a good result and if anyone out there thinks i'm wrong feel free to get in touch, I'm happy to have that discussion with people because to approach games like we do, to, to make Leicester feel as comfortable to make them feel like, you know, you want you want to have the ball, you want to play the, the ball through the middle of the pitch, you want to sprint Harvey Barnes 40 yards with the ball, go for it, fine. We, we'll not stand in your way. You you want to take shots from distance, absolutely fine. We'll, we'll make it so easy for, for opposition teams that effort isn't going to be enough. The players sticking at it, Steve. Is not going to keep us in this league long term. If you you remain you know remain the manager, he seems to view it as like, well, they tried their best. What more do you want from us? Well, for an alleged you know several million pound year contract, Steve, a hell of a lot more. Um, Norman, Matty, Longstaff, you want to make a point on him?
2: I, it's it's not necessarily just Matty Alone. It's, it's both the Longstaffs. And look, this, I'm I'm not going to put this on those two at all. Um, I think today we saw numerous examples of Leicester's two centre midfielders and Didi and Tielemans, right? Both absolutely fantastic players, right? There's no ways about it. They're excellent. They're an excellent centre midfield pairing. But they at times had the ball. So obviously Leicester liked to play it out from the back. We know the player. They at times had the ball sort of 35, 40 yards out, right? And they were allowed to move with the ball from, th- that, from that position to more or less like the 30-yard area of our, of our half without any kind of pressure on them at all. And what you saw on occasions was Matty and Sean in a block, right, two midfielders, facing more or less directly Tielemans and Ndidi. And, and when Tielemans and Ndidi were advancing forward, rather than one of them kind of go towards the the, the ball-carrying player and the other one try and close the other player down, close the space down, they just basically move back in parallel with them. And I don't think that that's those two doing that on purpose. Like You have to look at it, right? They're both relatively inexperienced midfielders. So if they did it, um, if, if they were making that as a, as a conscious decision, that suggests that there's there's not something they would experience and tell them not to. But to me, it looked like that was almost like a tactic. Like, look, just let them have the ball as much as you can and we'll defend on our kind of 30-yard line. And to a certain extent, we saw it uh, up front as well. You had... Um, Evans and Fafana basically passing to each other quite casually without any sort of pressure. Mm. And I don't think Callum Wilson's the type of player not to put pressure on defenders. I think that that must be uh, a tactical, um, air quotes, decision. Sit off, sit off, let them play, let them play, let them play. And then we'll kind of, then we'll try and win the ball off them. 30 yards 30 on goal and then try and break. Well, you can't break when all your players are behind the ball. You know, it's it's it just seemed to be uh, one of, right, let me see it if you're playing a game of containment right that's fair right you're playing a game of containment you're containing the opposition what you're doing is you're limiting their chances you let them you let them play along with it you let them play with the ball in a certain area of the pitch but they are not looking dangerous we're not playing a game of containment we're playing a game of kind of last of, like last of the alamo but we're, we're basically defending with with bodies 30 yards from the goal and allowing them to play from the back to 30 yards from our goal without any form of challenge or pressure that to me is not containment that's kind of desperation
3: yeah,
1: I agree, I agree Norman and it's uh, it's it's sad to see and again, you know, to look at I'm getting sent Bruce quotes by all sorts of people now um, <laughs> that sounds worse than it is Bruce by himself. a couple of people <laughs> um, you know, he's saying well, we're still without two big players in Lascelles and St Maximine uh, oh, especially man. one of them who can give us that spark in the final third, well yes that's true and I, and I don't doubt the inclusion of Alan St Maximin. Would bolster Steve Bruce's Newcastle United, but before he was taken out of the side, um, he was he was supposedly being dropped. It was reported by several outlets that Bruce thought he had hardly put any effort in since his um contract extension, and he he wasn't going to play him. And and we've seen where does Maximum fit into this formation with five at the back. So I think it's a little bit disingenuous. I understand why he would say that, but. Just because St. Maximan's not playing doesn't mean you just have to you have to roll over and die, like we do. Um Charlotte, trying to think of some positives from the game. Uh, after ten years, big Andy Carroll gets on the short, the score sheet. A nice, a nice goal with his one of a left foot. Do you you know, I think we've talked a little bit, and me and Norman talked on the uh, the podcast the other day that Bruce spoke at the start of the season, he's always talked about I want to play two up front, I want to play two strikers, but he doesn't do it very much. Yeah, And he played Carroll against West Ham. We played well. Uh, we'll the horror show against Brighton, and he's hardly been seen since. Do you, do you think the goal today suggests to you that maybe he's worth persevering with a little bit more? Or do you think, you know what, it's a it's a consolation goal and a game we clearly deserve to lose, and let's not get too excited?
3: Uh, I sit somewhere in the middle of those two, I think. So not... Um, I don't... Th- it, it, this isn't Carroll coming on just after we've got him from West Ham. Um, to, you know, show us what he's got, he's back. You know, this is 18 months on from when we signed him or whenever it was, because obviously time doesn't exist in my head anymore properly. Um, <laughs> I, whenever it was, whether we signed him, we ha- this is the first goal that he scored. So, no, it's not like a a, a storming return to Tyneside, is it? Having said that... We scored a goal. He scored a goal. He did make a difference on the pitch tonight. And when he was um, subbed on for Yedlin, I said in our group, like, um, oh, God, like, (laughs) what is this substitution? And then Mickey said, have we got no fullbacks now? Like, where is the plan here? Like, looping back to the plan thing um, or lack of. um, We... I was just, I was just like, this is ridiculous. It's that same thing of, um, of like Brentford, wasn't it, where it was just like, hoi on all our strikers. I know that, um, I know that it uh, wasn't in that exact exact situation, but it, that's what it felt like. We're losing, so we'll we'll throw on some more attacking options. Um, and then he scored, and I was like, oh, I did not think that that would happen um it was a pleasant surprise so um so yes that is a positive in terms of your question should he play more has he justified playing more i i don't think andy carroll can play 90 minutes of football week in week out i i don't think that he can i know that he did i think our first game of the season um i think he started and he played the whole um the whole game so um so he so he can do it occasionally, but I don't think that he can or should be playing every uh, every game week in week out. I think he is a decent impact substitution like today, but he needs more time if that's what if that's what we're going for. Um, and he wasn't. I think he only was given about ten minutes today, fifteen minutes max. Um, So yeah, he probably needs a bit more time He probably thinks he needs a bit more time as well Um, So I know that Norman was excited And I'm sure Norman will um, add to this Norman was very positive about the fact That sort of nostalgia element of it But I I I don't think he's our answer I wouldn't mind playing 4-4-2 If if that's how Steve Bruce Wants to set up But I think we need a different option To be up top With Wilson
2: if, um, if, if big Andy's the answer, what's the question? That's what you're saying, isn't it? Um, the, uh, yeah, exactly. the, what is the question? look, objective, uh, objectively, like Andy Carroll isn't the answer, and Andy Carroll isn't going to you know, all of a sudden rediscover his form of 10 years ago and, and smack smacking 10 goals between now and the end of the season. I mean, if that happens, then wonderful, but I, I very much doubt it. But what I will see is, from a, a pure, yeah, pure nostalgia point of view. For a start, he's from gated, like he's from Bencham, a couple of miles along the road from where I'm from. So my soft spot for him is massive. So when he first broke through, the mere fact that he came through Newcastle's academy, which is such a rarity. Obviously, we've got a couple of players in the minute, but it's such a rarity for somebody to come through the academy. And, and B, at the time, to a certain extent, on the verge of superstar. right, that's the reality. He got a £35 million move to Liverpool. He scored on his England debut, I think, against Ghana. He went to the Euros. He scored an outrageous header. I mean, this was a kid who, who had extremely large amounts of potential and it was great to see. It didn't work out that way. But at the same time, the, the, the sense of pride that I have when I see someone from my, you know, my hometown make it through is huge. And to see Big Andy score it, today, it, wa- it was a nice moment. Remove, remove everything else around it. Remove the context of the game. Remove the fact that Newcastle and Free Fall were, were terrible and football's miserable. Just seeing Andy Carroll score, a kid from Bencham, 10 years after his last goal, was a nice moment for all of like five seconds, <laughs> but it was it was a really <laughs> nice five seconds and I'm glad it happened. Um, and obviously, he is going to go score 10 goals noon. He's got to get back to the England squad and he's going <laughs> to be like, the best center forward you've ever seen because he's left foot. It's outrageous. Cheers. I'm off. From <laughs> well, from,
1: from one prolific goal scorer to, uh, to another former prolific goal scorer in Rafa's early season struggles in 1819 and Kieran Clark, mate. I know you wanted to talk about him, Norman, as well, his performance.
2: He has been absolutely phenomenal really since he signed. Now, look, we Rafa signed a player from Villa who'd been relegated obviously at the same time as us. And Clark was one of those defenders who always had a bit of a rick in him. He came through the Villa team quite young, didn't he? To produce some good players from that academy. But you always had that that mistaken that you made me made you think he not he not be a necessarily long term successful Premier League player, and you thought he's a great signer for the Championship, and obviously he had an excellent season. He's versatile, you know. He's a left footed centre half who can also play left back. I mean, that's actually quite a rarity, really. And what's happened with him is he, in my mind, was never going to be. I would even say, you know, when we had Shearer Lascelles Fernandez. He wouldn't even break that that top four. You could argue to a certain extent that Dummett might have felt like a better option at centre half um for a while. But I don't think that's the case anymore. I think when Kieran Clark's fit, he has to be in the team. He's in terms of the three, what I would call traditional centre halves, him, Lesels and Fernandez, I actually think Clark has been, since he's come back in the side, our our best performer. And he's also turned into a bit of a lead on the pitch. He's dangerous from corners, you know, he has scored a few goals. And I, I genuinely don't think that Clark Put a foot wrong today. I, I, I think he's one of those players who can be kind of removed from the firing line. It's in uh, the talk of a new contract. Look, the talk of a new contract for Kieran Clark, right? To a certain extent, it's indicative of where Newcastle in it are as a club, isn't it? You know, like Kieran Clark is centre half at Newcastle. You're probably not going to be challenging, or unlikely to be challenging for the top eight, right? But whilst Newcastle are where they are, I'm very happy to see him in the side. I think he's a, I think he's a real bonus in that team. And and lately, without a doubt, he's been one of our, one of our better players and somebody who, has, as I say, if I'd have been asked four years ago, will he still be in the side in the Premier League performing this well, I probably wouldn't have believed you.
1: Yes, yeah, I agree. And he, you know, there was a brilliant bit of play today from him when he uh, he switched the play fantastically and, and, and really opened Leicester up. And that that's what it that's what it needs, and that's why we miss Florian Lejeune. You know, a fully fit firing Florian Lejeune, because we're so passive in midfield and up front. You you really are relying on on, on the likes of Kieran Clark or Flor- Florian Jane or formerly Fabian Share when he was a little bit more competent in that, in that part of the pitch um, to try and make something happen and uh, you know I'd definitely give him a new contract um, for a couple of reasons well first of all he looked at on another level in the championship and I agree with you normally he gets in my team particularly in this formation. Um, one of the things I want to talk about now is, is the future and I'm always obsessed with this idea of like crucial fixtures or crucial weeks, and I think a lot of people would agree that Sheffield United away, our next away game in nine days' time uh, on Tuesday night, I believe, is is a massive game for Steve Bruce. Sheffield Uniteds have set the record; I think it's it 17 games now without a win in the Premier League. Uh, they have two points from the opening 17 games, which is horrific. And if Steve Bruce was to lose this game. Always to put or, or to draw with a bad performance, uh, you know the, the pressure will will ratchet right up, and, and it's a big week for me um, because we have we have Arsenal twice. We have Arsenal in the cup. Well, I think uh, I think a lot of journalists were right when they said the glue that was keeping this season together up until this point was the was the Carlin Cup run, which ended as farcically as it did. Uh, and if we'd to be knocked out the FA Cup at the first stage, it really leaves the rest of the season. Open the capitulation and, and we have experience of this. You know, how many times under Pardue did the, the club get itself in a decent decent position coming up into January? Uh, uh FA Cup third round exit and no no proper capital investment in the January end. And we saw a couple of times under Pardue, if not more, how toxic it can become, how disastrous it was under John Carver. Um I put a tweet out before saying saying Steve Bruce is the biggest bullshitter in the class in United's history. And um, one lad responded with a clip of John Carver saying he was the best coach in the Premier League. So that put me in my place. Because <laughs> <laughs> that, that is definitely the biggest load of shit ever spoken by in Newcastle United. Um, and yeah, I just i just feel he's got Arsenal twice. And it's Arsenal and, and they're in good form. They've won their last three, I believe. Yeah. Um, you know, from, from kind of nowhere. Uh, and they find themselves 11th in the Premier League, having lost eight Premier League games this season, which is actually more than us. So although it's a hard, hard game, um, and it's not a, a game I'd expect us to get through, there's certainly nothing to suggest we should go into that game and just capitulate, play five at the back, like we normally do. We'll then have the Sheffield United game and then we'll have Arsenal again in the league. I interested neither in of, of you two, your sorry, I interested in either your thoughts, Charlotte or Norman. But it's another massive week. He had he had the week before Christmas, you know, four games in ten days, the three promoted sides in Brentford. It went dreadfully. We didn't deserve to win any of those games. We took four points and we didn't deserve to take four points. And really, it turned a hell of a lot. Any Newcastle fans who were still clinging on, I think, to the fact that Steve Bruce is going to take this side forward or could be a good manager at Newcastle United, it pretty much evaporated. If he was to go out of the cup and lose both of those games or even just draw Sheffield United, I I find it very, very difficult to think he could continue Long term in the manager in the manager's job because there's nothing we're seeing from this team at the moment. At the moment, in my opinion, to suggest that the second half of the season is going to get any better. And Norman, I'll start with you actually because you you've looked at the league table and you think that eight point gap at the minute between us and the sides in the bottom three is looking very shaky indeed. It's
2: only looking shaky. Because of the next two games, being away from women. Now, Sheffield United, you, you know, they haven't won a game this season, as you say. Um, and if you include the form last season, I think they're on something like 20 matches that will win now. And part of me thing, they're going to get three points at some point. In Newcastle, or you know, I might be being by Sheffield because I'm a Newcastle fan, but we seem to be one of those clubs that if a team needs three points or if a striker needs a goal... Or if someone needs a clean sheet, and they'll always get it against us. Maybe that's just years of being, um, you know, having their life beaten out of us by following this club. But um, I think that I still think there's a chance that Sheffield United could win this game. And if they do, and we go to Arsenal in the league game, we lose that—that that eight points to me doesn't doesn't all of a sudden look like the big the big gap that it is because you know and. In, in, in reality, Fulham have started to show a bit of form pre the COVID lockdown that they've had. They were starting to look like a half-decent side. And you also think that Parker, unlike Bruce, is probably going to get backed in the transfer window. I know that they've brought in a lot of players over the summer, but you still get the impression that he might be able to bring in at least a centre forward, which is definitely what they need. And it starts to concern me. When when your team has gone, what, we six games without win now, if you include the Brentford game, minimal goals. I think we scored four goals in, in those six games. Um that suggests to me we're on a bit of a downward spiral and lose these next two games against Sheffield United Arsenal. What that then does is, is it, it then puts the pressure on the games after that. So okay, we lose these two games, right? There's still a five-point gap, let's say. But that then means that Leeds at home becomes huge. That then means that Everton away becomes huge. You know, that then means that Palace at, at home becomes huge. And that's the problem I've got is eight points sounds like a lot, but these next two games, if we get nothing out of them. It's really going to have a, a significant impact, in my opinion. And I know that, obviously, Bruce's tenure as a Newcastle match suggests that when the chips are down, we do seem to get something. But this particular run of form we're in at the minute, six games out win, this this is the one I think I've been more concerned about than any of the others that we've had, because we just do not look like scoring goals at all. So our eight points okay? It, it sounds huge right now, but God almighty, these next two games are, are really going to be indicative of how the rest of the season's gonna get in my opinion.
1: I agree. In, in in it's it's been a factor of Steve Bruce's manager managerial career. Long winless runs. It's no wins in six at the minute, which is the worst run since the end of last season. Um and if you don't if you don't win any games in the next you know seven to nine days or beyond that, it becomes no wins in nine and like you say, would would you bag us to 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 beat Everton away or, or even Leeds at home, considering how many chances Leeds created against us. So, you know, it, it, this is the thing. The Sheffield United game and the Arsenal game in the um, in the Cup in particular are kind of season-defining for me. If, if you were to lose them both, it then becomes very, very difficult to see anything other than, you know, 15 16 17th place being a massive achievement by the end of the season. Charlotte I'll I'll put you on the spot now from from mm. what you've seen uh you know not just today but the kind of the little run that we're in do you think there is going to be that kind of the chips are down turn it round performance that Steve Bruce has tended to pull out at Newcastle or do you think we're we're heading into a, a much more difficult period for him and the, and the team moving forward? I
3: think we are um I think we are in on shaky ground, right? We're in this negative momentum right now. Um, and I think that that we do really need to pull a couple of results out. The Arsenal FA Cup uh, tie should... I mean, I, I almost think we should put that to one side if the goal mm-hmm. is to um, remain in the Premier League, if that's the remit. But... Um, we, sh- I, I still believe that we can, and will beat Sheffield. They are a terrible side. <laughs> You've- they've got two points. They've got two points for the entire season so far. Like I, 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 you know, for all that I bemoan a lack of a plan or, a- or you know, getting crosses into the box and nobody's there. That's against a side like Leicester. I, I assume someone will be able to get into the box against a side like Chef Yu. Like that they're, they're terrible. And so I, I remain faithful that we'll pull a result out of the bag then. And and I think if we do, um, yeah, Norman Norman's highlighting Derby County 07-08. Yeah, it, it happens. It has happened before that that a team on a terrible run gets their first three points against us. <laughs> And it and it and it could happen, but I personally am choosing to lift the negativity slightly. Into we should beat Sheffield and I still believe that we will. Um, come back to me after we've played Arsenal next weekend, um, and in the cup game, and see how that goes. But I think it is next weekend, isn't it? Next Saturday. I think okay. Alex, you're muted, so it doesn't help that you're. Um, chatting away anyway it's fine (laughs) that means that I can keep speaking um but yes uh next Saturday I think it is anyway um you know if it if it's another if it's another performance like today I will be a little bit more worried but again it's against a side that is truly destined to you know go down I mean they might as well just go down now um so I remain faithful that we'll get three points from that and then I don't think it will be as looking over our shoulder. I don't think we're going to end like 10th or 11th or even probably 12th, 12th this season. But I don't think it's quite as dire. I think we should get a result from Chef Sheffield. And then you're, you're muted again. And then I would also say that, uh, you know, I don't want to cast aside the cup run, but if the if the aim here or our aim or our priority is to stay in the Premier League, then you have to forego you have to forego a cup run. We don't have it in it. we don't have the depth and the legs to play a game every week and and, and also be, you know, prepping for a cup to cup ties, I don't think.
1: Uh, Lee Charlie and Mike Ashley uh, emphatically agree with you, Charlotte. I, I don't know if I do. I think I think you can. Um, first of all, I think going it we'll, we'll definitely be going into that cup game with an eight-point cushion. Uh, so I think you know he should play his strongest team and he should play four at the back and, and really, really go for that game because it's important. I think it would give the season a massive lift to beat Arsenal um, in that game, and then you would take that into Sheffield United. Same again, beat them and, and, and everything changes. My fear is that that's not going to happen. Um, but, I, you know, time will tell. That's the thing. Uh, the story is yet to be told. I think we'll finish this podcast off there. Um, been a, a crazy time for doing podcasts over the past week or so. That is what happens when the, the games come thick and fast, as they do. Thanks to Sharman. Sharman. The mixture of your two names <laughs> Charlotte and Norman. Sharman to save time in the future. Um can- for your contributions and thanks to everybody who listens and continues to support the true faith podcast. It's a pleasure to do them. We will be back with the next free podcast, probably a week today on Sunday after that Arsenal game, which is uh, on BBC one. So the nation gets to watch it. Fantastic. Um, Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Cheers.
2: Could, could you two not hear me there?
4: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why, what do we know about magnesium?